Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. From our financial life, to our relationships, to our kids and our health, we're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. And in every episode, we will consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. And we'll ask you to share your breadwinning story. Each week, I'm joined by Jennifer Owens. She writes about working, wellness, and women and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And I'm joined by Raquel Ellison. She's an executive coach and management consultant who works with companies big and small to design workplace policies that work for all employees. Well, 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 here is a topic top of mind for us today. We are recording this after the VP debate. And once again, I mean, can you believe we have a woman in these debates again? You know, like it's just, it's becoming the norm. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Because I don't don't, know. Does it feel like the norm yet? Or it just feels like this is where we are in American politics. And I'm thrilled. Like, I, yeah, maybe I, I just, I remember Geraldine Ferraro very, very, like, that was, I remember, it was like I was a kid, and that seemed interesting. Did not realize what a big deal it was at the time. You know, like, truly. You don't really, until you're like, oh, we're not going to have another one for, you know, decades. Okay, (laughs) got it, on it. So basically, our topic today is to talk about, you know, women in power, women running for office, what the research says about it and the like. And so I thought a nice way to start for us was to talk about, I went looking to see what our stat was. And our stat is that only one woman has been a major party nominee for president. That's Hillary Clinton. And three women have been nominated to run for the office of vice president. Kamala Harris, Sarah Palin, and Geraldine Ferraro by the Democratic Party in 1984. But did you know, this is where we cue the uh, the sound effects, pring, that we have had presidential, female presidential candidates since 1872. Shout out to Victoria Woodhall. There you go. We've been in the mix a long time. We have for a while. How's it been working out for us? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. Uh, did we win a presidency? Just wondering. <laughs> no, Asking for a friend. Let's not forget Shirley Chisholm, though. That she... Oh, right? so that was my favorite biography when I was in elementary school. With was There was a biography of Shirley Chisholm, and I read that thing over and over again. And yeah, didn't I know New York. Didn't know... I didn't know any... I just loved her. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, there's so many women. Is this going to become a female politician's history podcast? Shall we just do it Well, that's what I was thinking is maybe we should do like one of those where we get like a historian on who really knows their Shirley Chisholm campaign. Yeah. Other than the the book I read in fourth grade back yeah. back to back. Fourth yeah. Grade, okay. I didn't realize it was so it was <laughs> it was so sophisticated. Okay, got it. Yes. Got no, it, we don't have to it, do a it. history lesson. I think what we're what we're going for as we know is that this is a this is a few and far between situation. And and we're kind of curious as to given where we are with Kamala um, yeah. Mamala, as my mom likes to call her, because that's what her stepkids <laughs> call her, is, you know, how are people reacting to her? How do we react to female candidates, right? And women in power, as you said. Yeah. And because it's challenging and it's changed over the past few years, but there's still 
Well, we were talking earlier, Jennifer, you jump in. We were talking earlier about conversations you had with women who were just not in the Kamala camp. Yeah. And it, which I, you kind of, I find it surprising because it's like, don't you just give her, you know, like, don't you give her not a pass, but like, ooh, excitement, you know, female running and like, nope, nope, th- nope, that's not a thing. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. When I was remembering some research that I read a while ago and I, I was wondering, so there was, there was a Pew study that we're going to link to from 2018 there are a couple other studies that we're going to try to dig up around. What is the perception of female candidates? So why yeah. don't, why don't these women want want Kamala? What off? was the what? minefield she was walking when she was in that debate? Right, the, right. I am speaking, you yeah. know, and smiling. Oh yeah, and you know that that a lot of us have had in moments where we've been talked over. Says the woman who's talking over you right now. <laughs> You can just start keep saying me. I am speaking, Jennifer. I am speaking. <laughs> I think there's so much in here, right? So yeah. I'm trying to think about Hillary in the debates with Trump, like the one, oh, that God awful town hall one where she was oh. wearing the white suit and he just kept peering over her shoulder like a crazy maniac. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I may have blocked that out. Oh my God. And her expression was like not smiling and I'm talking. So Hillary in that debate, she was very like, her face would sort of, if I remember correctly, maybe she would smile, but her face would kind of harden a little bit. And granted, this guy was like, I mean, she, you know, Kamala was debating Mike Pence with the eyes and the flies and the like stuff was going on with him, but she was debating Trump and Trump, as we saw with Biden, as we've seen, you know, it was a very different dynamic, but you do feel like Kamala was taking a different approach. And I don't know if that was generational. I don't know if that was just stylistic, but I do think there's some generational pieces here too, around how receptive um, folks are to female candidates, what the expectations are around the choices that they've made and their way of navigating dynamics, whether it's in the boardroom or in a debate, right? And kind of right. what's the most appropriate, for lack of a better word, way for for them to behave. Right. And I think there's just a lot of judgment. And what it, what it made me think of was that in the 2016 election, Madeleine Albright and Gloria Steinem, and I'm a huge fan of both, but they were like rebuking. They were, they were really kind of condescending in some ways to women who were voting for Bernie, basically saying to them like, you just can't tolerate a woman candidate, but them saying like, no, it's this woman candidate. (laughs) Like, and I, I think, you know, I know that. That You don't get a pass, you know, for when you don't get a pass just because I'm a woman and you're a woman. It's the same thing with any, any ethnic racial group, right? You know, well, aren't you going to vote for the, the person who looks like you? Well, no, No, maybe not. Right. right. You know, I want to hear what they have to say and all that sort of jazz. Well, speaking of women though, that look like, sorry, (laughs) we're just talking over each other. I'm speaking. (laughs) I'm speaking. No. <laughs> I mean, but I think what's interesting, right? Just I had to go back to the look like you piece, right? Was white women did not vote. Black women voted for Hillary right. overwhelmingly. White women who looked like Hillary did not. 
Not to the same extent. And so there's a ton of different reasons behind that. But when you say look like us, um, yeah. I just want to re- like, credit you your You don't stake. get a pass. No, you yeah. don't get a pass. But it's but also kind of how striking it was that when the people who did look like Hillary specifically yeah. didn't, and then Black women did. Anyway, yeah. So, well, so, but the landmines of perception, you know, how people, you know, infer from watching the candidate's demeanor and how they approach themselves, I think we can say that the mental load there for women is much heavier yeah. than for the white guy candidate. It just, yeah. It just is. Yeah, yeah. I think that's- and that every, every study, and that when we see studies about women in business leadership roles, you see the same things there. And, you know, is she likable? Oh, but then you're not, you're, you're too mean. You're too nice. You're too this, you're, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm putting my head in my hands now. You can't see me. I am. <laughs> I can, I can hear it. I can hear that. You can sense my I hand, sense head it. in my head. I mean, I think there are, I've said this for a very long time that I think there are, and this came out in my work with around work life with women working with top executives who were transitioning through parental leave and then their bosses who yeah. were sometimes women who had grown up in a grown up quote unquote in the workforce in a very different kind of time and circumstance. Right. And, I have experienced this myself. Yes. Right. And there's a certain level of distrust and hostility in that realm, right? Of like mm-hmm. You didn't do it this way. Why are you making those choices? Why are why are you making those choices? And so I do right. think that the generational pieces do fit in there somewhere. But I think we've got to look at someone like Kamala and where she is and what she's doing and how she's handling this. And I just wonder how, and we are not a monolith women. Right. And obviously, when you break us down by race, class, gender, I mean, not gender. Age, yeah. You know, gender fluidity, age, all of it. Yeah. I mean, we we all, and geographically, I would say also, right, we mm-hmm. end up kind of, we could be all over the map, right? But I right. think the question is, what is it going to take for, not just for folks to say, okay, I want to pick Biden as my candidate instead of Trump, but for them to say, I appreciate what Kamala is doing as his running mate, and I want her to potentially be the president someday, right? Yeah. And I just wonder what factors are going to make the most, the biggest difference. And there's a ton of studies out there in terms of how people are perceived and what oh, yeah. characteristics come into play more than others, right? Is it around the family choices they've made? Is it around that kind of like, I'm speaking, I'm speaking. Like, you know, is it around yeah, the, tone, the way? Yeah, tenor of voice. It's also, you know, it's skin color. Yeah. What walks sure. in the room. There's a lot of studies about how you're perceived the minute you walk into the room and right. that do your skills present themselves? Does your skin tone present themselves? Does your hair present yourself? And that's all, it all comes into play with perception. Yeah. And she's a savvy woman as, you know, she's on literally the national stage right now. Yeah. So I'm sure there was a lot of media training for the two of them. I'm yeah. sure for Pence and I don't, I don't know if Trump gets media training, but I'm sure Biden did. Right. And I just say that regarding Trump because I think he's very confident in how he presents himself. You know, yeah. he's presenting himself the way he wants. He doesn't feel like he has to change his way in any shape or form. No. It seems to me. 
No, I yeah. don't. I don't think he does. I just wonder if the media training, how it differs for a Biden and Pence versus Kamala. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good question. And I feel like, yeah, you know, one of the things that when you talk about media training, so we were talking earlier about before we got on the call, given that Woodhull, Victoria Woodhull ran for office, I did a a fellowship, a retreat, something called with an organization. A retreat to move forward? Yes. (laughs) 30 Rock reference. (laughs) So, no, I did a, and I'm also thinking about the West Wing, actually, in terms of TV shows, but I did a retreat with Naomi Wolf, who famously advised or maybe not famously to some people, but advised Al Gore on like a woman's perspective on... Yes, I forgot about that. Yeah. What he did wear, the tan suits, the... like, And so that was women. And I was remembering Amy, whatever from... um, Because we all need a tan suit. I'm only going to vote wear a tan suit. From whatever her name was in the West Wing, the character that... That was a media, a woman giving media training to men. And I feel like, so that was all like, how do we soften? How do we like make you more approachable? And so I'm curious what it is for Kamala and how it differs. But I also think, you know, I said this, posted this at some point, you know, I was getting so sick of watching news and TV that what really got me, which is shocking for me, just shocking, not the news part, but the TV. And I was watching... (laughs) Kamala just go to town on Bill Barr and like real and on Brett Kavanaugh and just like she, you know, I wonder what kind of media training you need when she's doing exactly what I think. I mean, maybe she's soft. They're softening some edges or talking to her about that. Maybe like, but you know, maybe they, maybe they isn't that the vice president role, right? Yeah. Always. Aren't they always the attack dog? Isn't that, you You know, you're trying to make uh, the presidential candidate truly be presidential. Right. And the VP is the, you know, the the enforcer. I don't know. Like, they, they're always the, the punchier one. It's true. I forgot about that piece. But, you know, she just comes in with, she's just on top of the facts on the ground. Like, she just, she knows her stuff so well, which is not impressive in the sense that it's like, why should a woman know her stuff so well? More than like, I'm not saying that because of gender. I'm saying because she hits it every time. She's she just goes right to the place where she, as a candidate, male or female, needs to go. I don't feel like I see a lot of male senators like going quite that hard the way that she does. She's just got like this this incisive way of of approaching things. And I wonder... Well, I think that's a prosecutor in her, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, oh, for sure, for you know? sure. And I think, you know, but I, I do wonder, when you think about someone like AOC and you think about Kamala, how they've approached, you know, they're kind of more being ready to armed with so to many... call it out, Yeah, right? facts and figures, like they yeah. just hit it, right? And I think that's a style that we haven't seen that was not... No, Hillary's it's not style. my style. <laughs> it's not my style. I will forget. <laughs> no, it's just, it's very hard hitting. I don't it's know. It's not I'm, afraid. It's not afraid. And and I think we have, we have watched women be sometimes a little bit more unsure, right? It's, or deferential a yeah, little bit or something. I don't know. Susan Collins, like, I, I feel like there's a little like what you know there's a there's this i think there's a sense of maybe like there's a political framework in which any candidate wants to be you know accepted and yeah. and they want to be they want to kind of fit in and so um 
they take positions that are sort of hedging. I, you know, I, I'm not sure, but I think it's really amazing to have someone in this role that is just coming, you know, who's really ready to just go right out there and say what she has to say. I mean, I just, I think, I think it's, it's amazing. I think it's, it shouldn't be like amazing or surprising, but it's phenomenal. And you know, it's interesting that she stands on many shoulders of these women who wandered into the fray and to put themselves forward and, and, you know, granted some of the, uh, like a lot, tiny candidates, you know, tiny campaigns. But I like the idea that we've been slugging away at this for a long time. Yeah, you know, that's true. And what I also want to say is that there are, you know, I'm not sure if folks know this, but uh, one of my first, one of my first mom friends, but one of my first preschool mom friends is a woman named Erin Luce Cutraro. And she started an organization called She Should Run. And it's obviously in a similar vein to Emily's List and organizations that help women run for office. But one of the things she does that I think, or, or her organization does, and it, they do a lot. So one of the many things is that kind of early coaching for potential women candidates. And it's, it is about mindset. And it is about saying, okay, I, you know, I'm not sure how much, I haven't taken the course, so I'm not sure how much they talk about the shoulders that, that they're bringing women to stand on, right? Yeah. But there is this piece of like, how are you going to, it's almost coaching, right? Like how, how are you going to lead? What are you going to, what strengths are you going to play to in yourself? And how do you need to present those strengths in a way, you know, that are going to, that's going to be maybe not palatable, but, but a different word, like really appealing or strong or, you know, but I, I think that's such an important piece for candidates is I've, I, cause I know so many women who have thought about running for office. Yeah. And some of them I know who have, and some who I have a very old friend of mine from work who ran and she lost, but she, God, did she put everything that she had into that race. A couple of friends actually. Yep. Um, now that I think about it. I think that we've got to kind of continue to take the mindset of, yeah, of like, I can do it, which is kind of crazy because our podcast is about how much, you know, just to make money, feed our families, take care of our families, like how much we're carrying. Now I also need you to run for public office. Exactly. you know, a public servant. Exactly. Well, our friend Wendy Sachs, if you've seen her documentary, Surge, which is about like the influx of all the women running for Congress. Yeah. And that's great. It's a great movie. And she follows like three or four different female candidates and what happens to them, the the ups, the downs and the like. Yeah. There's more of us coming, man. There definitely are more of us coming, I think. Yeah. I also want to give a shout out to Luba Gretchen Shirley, who also ran for Congress the 2016 election. But one of the things that she did, which was so remarkable, was she campaigned or I'm not exactly sure what the format was for it, but she essentially campaigned to get childcare expenses written into... Oh, that's right. I remember her. Yeah. 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 Campaign yeah. expenses. I would love to get her on the yeah. podcast. Um, she also has a pack called... I think it's Vote Mama Pact or something. <laughs> pack, rather not packed. Pack, I've got to look it up. But I think that was such a groundbreaking 
you know, even though she did not get elected, I think that was such a groundbreaking move for women and for mothers. For the next, yeah, you know, the sure. next one. It, it just, we keep moving it forward and man, like, yes. Yeah, so I guess that's our new thing. So we say to our breadwinning listeners, so now you have to run for office because, you know, you didn't have enough to do. So good there luck with go. that. Yes. <laughs> well, all right. Well, the countdown to the election is, is upon us. So get to, uh, we'll say thank you for joining us on the breadwinners and go out and make your voting plan. Know where you're going to vote. Make sure you're registered to vote. You know, maybe uh, let's put a link up on any information about voting in the episode description today. So you'll find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit us anytime at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com to ask a question, offer feedback, share your story, tell us how you're running for public office because now we're putting it on you. How are you going to make that work? We really would love to know. We'd love to know. And we, our friends at She Should Run, they actually commissioned a Barbie runs for office doll. Um, nice. They, or, or there was like a collaboration between Mattel and them. So if you get in touch with us and you say, I'm running for office, we can, we'll send you, the first person to do that can get, get a, their own She Should Run Barbie doll. Love it. But I think it's a cool, cool initiative. Anyway, please remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. Let us know what you think about the breadwinners. Help us tell the stories that mean the most to you. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.